Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. show we have Heather from Michigan, mother of four and a new midwife. From an induction at a hospital with her first birth, to two midwife assisted births, to choosing a free birth outside in her backyard at almost 43 weeks with her fourth, Heather shares her journey with us of how her birthing experiences led her to the path of midwifery and her own self-empowerment. So my first baby. Um, I got pregnant with her right about a month after I got married. And I was just terrified that I was even pregnant. And I just did what everybody else did. We, I saw an OB and I got just standard care from her. And um, actually, my health was not very good back then. I was a smoker mm. when I got pregnant with her. So, um, in order to quit smoking, I just, it took me a long time. I was almost 20 weeks pregnant with mm. her when I finally quit smoking and I actually found out I was having a girl and it became suddenly very real that I was indeed having a baby. And so I just, um, decided that I would just eat all the candy I wanted to eat instead of smoking. So every time I thought I wanted to smoke, I would just eat like probably a pound of gummy worms or whatever. Wow. So I gained a lot of weight from eating all that sugar and not exercising. I was just not healthy at all. And, and how, how old were you? I was 23 Okay. when I got with her. And I'm going to guess your OB was offering very minimal nutritional advice. She never asked me anything about wow. what I ate. She'd be like, wow, you gained 20 pounds this month. Um, you know, it's a lot of weight. She would tell a lot of weight and she, but she would never say like, what are you eating? Nothing, nothing. Um, so I just kept doing, I just sure. kept doing, doing what I was doing. And, and then my blood pressure slowly started creeping up as the scale went up and up. And, um, when I was about 26 weeks pregnant, she was like, I think you're getting preeclampsia. Uh, your blood pressure has been high, you know, your last two appointments and we're going to do these blood tests. And so we kind of started doing like increased monitoring probably around the time when I was in my third trimester was when I was doing like the NSTs, uh, going to the hospital for those and increased monitoring. And when I was like 32 weeks pregnant, she basically was like, you are uh, you know, you're not going to get to your due date. Uh, you have preeclampsia now. And, um, you know, I have to, I was seeing her, I think every two weeks or something at the time. And she's like, I just remember at the very end of my pregnancy, I was so uncomfortable and I was so swollen and big and, but I was also so non-compliant. Like she would ask me to be on bed rest and I would just do whatever I wanted to do. Um, she wanted to induce me, I think I was 
35 or 36 weeks pregnant. And I was like, no, I can't be induced this week because my baby showers this weekend. Um, I just, my health was probably the last thing on my mind at the time, but I was like, I can't have a baby before my baby shower. So finally I had agreed that I would be medically induced when I was 37 weeks pregnant to the day. And it was just a standard, typical American induction. So you the night before and you get the cervidil put up on your cervix and you spend the night in the hospital and you hope that that puts you into labor. But for me, it did not. I didn't feel any contractions, nothing from it at all. And I didn't sleep at all that whole night, like so uncomfortable in that bed. And the next morning I got woken up probably at like 6 a.m. and got, it was like, you're going to have your water broke and you're going to get put on the pit. 6 a.m. We're starting bright and early. So I was probably like dilated to like a two or something. I don't even know. Um, because the cervidil did nothing. You know, my body just wasn't ready. It shouldn't have been at 37 weeks. But. Yeah. And it's like, it's stressful. Right. It was horrible. Yeah. Like, um, I made my husband take me out to dinner and we had like this huge feast the night before. And like, I actually was like, you know, what, what would happen if we just didn't show up? And I think we were like three hours late for the induction. And they were like, we didn't even think you were showing up at this point. It's like, well, I had to go eat more. <laughs> Not what I needed, but, um, so yeah, then they I had my water broke, started on the pit. I had like a birth ball and I had, you know, like, I was like, I'm, I, I just don't want to have an epidural. I want to, you know, do this drug free. But what I did not know that I know now is Pitocin contractions are not normal <laughs> contractions at all. So it was like, I, I like describe it as like getting hit by a bus every two to three minutes and, and they came strong and hard and like, I couldn't cope and I couldn't even get away from them. Like even when I went to the bathroom, I'm dragging the IV pole with me and they would, the nurses would come in and like beep, 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 you know, cranking up the pit. And I was just like, I think I, that started at, it started at six. And, and I think by noon I was like, I need the epidural. I can't, do this anymore. My husband's like, yes, you can, you know, you don't want an epidural. I had actually got, um, probably when I asked for the epidural around noon, I, I got drugs in my IV to see if that would take that off because I was like, I can't. Do you know and what you just, got? I don't know. I got a couple shots of something It probably, what did they call it? State all or, yeah, or Demerol or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it just made my head loopy and mm -hmm. it didn't, the contractions at all. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, someone who witnesses birth, but haven't felt Pitocin personally, it looks like I'm watching a, a caged animal trying to like claw out of a cage. Like it looks like yeah. they're being tortured. It, yeah. It, I've only seen a couple Pitocin productions, like from helping women, like doula women. And it, it looks brutal. But from witnessing it, like I tell everybody, I'm like, it literally felt like I was getting hit by a truck every Ugh. two minutes. I uh, couldn't get away from it. Couldn't get in the shower because you got to be constantly monitored. Um, they didn't have wireless monitors 12 years ago. 
So everything was all hardwired in, um, and they were kind of rolling their eyes at me. I remember when I was rolling on on this ball, and they were kind of like, you know, basically just kind of ticking the time down to when I was going to cave and get that epidural. Totally. And I sure did. Um, probably like by one o'clock, I had the epidural and. I was exhausted. I just, I didn't sleep the night before. I was exhausted. So I get this epidural, immediate relief. Um, you know, and it's funny. You're like, I'm watching these huge contractions on this monitor and I don't feel anything. This is great. So what we actually just did, we turned all the lights off, turned my big fan on and my, and kicked everybody out. And I took a nap. I slept I want to say probably like four hours, I just slept and slept. And then when I woke up from the nap, I felt so much better, but that's when I felt pressure. And I was like, oh, that's different. Like, you know, there's, and of course the nurse was like, the minute you feel pressure, you know, you tell me so, cause we're going to check you. So I was like, well, you know, I feel something, but so she checked me. She goes, oh yeah, you're complete. So, it, and it was so fast at that point. Cause I was like, I'm complete. You know, what does that mean? I don't feel anything. I yeah. just feel weird pressure. But the minute you're like, oh, you're complete. It's like, bam. Mm-hmm. Delivery cart, nurse. Did. Yeah. On. yeah. Like, you know, my sister gets kicked out of the room and there's this bright light, you know, on my crotch and like all this, you know, and we're going to push every contraction and you're going to do three mm-hmm. huge pushes and count to 10. And it's like a, breath. it's like a football coach. Right. Go, push, go, push, go. Push, push. And, yeah. Yeah. The, the nurse, I think she was okay. Um, but I was just like, I am not having a C-section. I don't, you know, and I don't care how long it takes me to push. And, you know, I, the one thing I do give my OB credit for was I told her, you know, as long as everything's good, I don't want any time constraints on my pushing. I don't care if it takes me all night to do this. Nice. And she was like, as long as your baby's tolerating it and as long as you're making progress, you know, fine, I'll agree to that. So I ended up, um, the nurse, you know, helped me. I changed positions probably like 50 million times. I pushed from, I think I started pushing like right before 630 at night. She wasn't born until 950. So three hours and 50 minutes. Yeah. And she was born posterior. Mm. And when I remember when uh, I pushed her head out and then, and the OB says, okay, you know, don't push now. And I was like, forget you. And I just <laughs> pushed her. I was like, forget that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I just, and she was, well, I almost dropped your baby. And I heard her say to the, to my baby, like you stinker, you were supposed to turn. Hmm. When I asked them later, I was like, well, what, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, well, she was born, you know, facing up. And normally we like, the babies are supposed to turn and, and face your bottom. Supposed to. I love that. I guess supposed to, whatever that means. Right. But she was super hard to push out. Um, they had turned my epidural off after about an hour into pushing. So I could actually feel what I was more, what I was doing. But I felt like, you know, like I did a pretty good job. You know, I had. These nurses are coming. They're like, oh, I can't even believe you delivered vaginally. You know, we, you know, 90% of moms, first-time moms who have a posterior baby, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're just sectioned. And we normally don't let people push that long. Like, normally we let you push, like, two hours. Oh, it's so degrading. 
Right. So I kind of, but with them talking to me like that, I kind of felt like, you know, I was kind of badass. Totally. You know? <laughs> it's like both at the same time, you know? Right. It, yeah. Right. It's like, you're, you're lucky, but you also preserved this vaginal birth in the face of all odds. Right. Right. So when she was born, she put her on my chest and that it was, a, it was another thing I learned <clears throat> back then that I didn't know not, or that I know now I didn't know then is that epidurals can cause, uh, something called an epidural fever. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Oh, well you have, you know, a fever and you know, we don't know why you have a fever. And so now there's a problem because now you had a fever. So now the baby has a fever. So they put the baby on me and I got one look at her and a nurse came up and said, uh, I don't like her color. And the next thing I know, she was gone Mm. and I couldn't even see where they took her and they had taken her over to the warmer and put her under this warmer and then took her temperature and said, Oh yes, your baby has a fever. So she has to go to the NICU. And it was just like happening so fast. So I was like, you know, well, okay. I mean, what was I supposed to say? I was exhausted. I'll be honest. So my husband was like, uh, no, she needs to at least hold the baby before you take this baby away. So they said, okay, well, you can have five minutes. So they brought my baby over to me all wrapped up with all kinds of goop in her eyes and put her in my arms. And I, you know, she was trying to look at me and she couldn't see me. You know, I could tell she couldn't see me with all this goop. And they let me hold her for five minutes and then they took her away. Mm. So they were like, well, that's fine because she can go get settled and, you know, we can get you stitched up and cleaned up and in your postpartum room. And then you can go see your baby. Yeah. No big deal. So, right. No problem. You know, oh, you want to breastfeed? Yeah, you can do that later. You know, whatever. So um, I had like a very minor little tear. I didn't have an episiotomy or anything. Um, but I do remember the repair because I felt the needles poking, you know, into my skin. And I remember my OB asked me if a resident could watch her do the repair. And I was like, uh, okay, you know, whatever, fine. Even though I had asked them that I didn't want any male doctors or residents in my room and that it was a, it was a guy. Hmm. So I was annoyed about that, but I, I guess I was just too tired and didn't feel like I could say no. Mm-hmm. So I remember her, she was just explaining this repair. Like I could hear her step by step by step, every little thing she was doing, look at it. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And on and on it went. I mean, it was probably like 10 minutes, but it felt like so long to mm-hmm. me. And then she's like, okay, I'm done. And when I sat up, I just, I looked at him. I was so mad. And I just said, I hope you learned something. And he was just mortified and he laughed. And my husband's like, why did you say that to him? And I was just like, <laughs> because I just was so mad that he was even here. So then I showered and I got taken my postpartum room and I called the NICU and they were like, you can't come right now. Cause who knows why? 
putting her IV in or something, you know, call back in an hour. So mm-hmm. I called back in an hour and they said, you can't come now because it's shift change. And I, you know, call back in an hour. And so, and, and then they're like, well, you know, it's like two or three in the morning at this point. She wasn't born until almost 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they're like, just get some sleep and come in the morning. And I was like, you know what? I am not doing that. I want to breastfeed this baby. Wow. You know, when can I come and breastfeed my baby? I haven't seen her but for five minutes since she was born. You know, like, what the heck is going on here? This is... So I think that's when they finally let me go down. And, of course, like, the NICU is, like, on the opposite end of the hospital or something. It was, a, like, a very hard walk for me. I remember, like, pushing my wheelchair and then finally like I was like I can't walk anymore I would sit in it and make my husband push me Mm -hmm. the rest of the way but those nurses of course were like you need to be walking you need to be up and walking you can't just get pushed around so between that and finally getting to see my baby and they like they had a pacifier in her mouth and I didn't want her to have a pacifier and they were like well I mean you can't be here all the time And then the whole breastfeeding thing, like they were telling me she had like dangerous jaundice and that she had to have formula or she would get sick and she could potentially die. Wow. And I was like, well, I want to breastfeed. And they're like, well. Which is actually one of the best, you know, responses to jaundice. Right. Of course. But I didn't, I didn't know any of that. Of course. Yeah. I didn't even know what jaundice was. I had never even heard of it. So, I mean, we, my husband and I were so kind of young and clueless, like we really didn't know what we were doing. And we were kind of like, well, you know, my husband's like, well, let's just do what they say, you know, sure, like they, most they, people. they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole situation just completely undermined everything I wanted them to do. Like I didn't even change her diaper till we got home when she was over 48 hours old. They just did everything. Yeah. And they would let, they say they were going to let me try to nurse her. They would say like five minutes on each side. And then after that, give her a bottle to top her off because we didn't want this jaundice to get out of control. Now, (sighs) the whole time they had never tested her bilirubin. They had never put her under billy lights. Like this, like look hindsight, this was not like an emergency jaundice thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't even understand what they were doing. They were just doing whatever they wanted. So that whole scenario between that, oh, and then my whole postpartum care that was non-existent. They never brought me a breast pump. They didn't even bring me ice packs for my, you know, swollen behind, nothing. Um, I was like, hey, you know, I'm the one down at the end of the hall without my baby. Like, it just felt like I was like this big inconvenience asking for ibuprofen and ice packs. And then, you know, they would taunt me to walk more as I was pushing my um, wheelchair down the hall, trying to get down to the NICU to go see my baby that they were pretending was their baby. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it felt like to me. Like, I felt like they were just pretend, like it was their baby. It is their baby. I mean, like, you know, like once it's in it NICU, that is a hundred percent that the way that it's, you're on their terms and it's, it's your baby is now their responsibility. And, and yeah, it's crazy. Right. So we just kind of did what they told us to do so we could get the heck out of there. And then, um, 
so that was my first baby. And then I had a horrible time breast. I mean, not horrible, but I had a, a rough start breastfeeding her. I, my milk did not come in until she was 10 days old because we continued to supplement. And I just didn't know like how to stop doing that. Like I had him and then, of course, I had her on a Friday, and my husband had to go back to work on Monday, and we got home from the hospital Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So I was on my own. Um, yeah, it was just really hard. I didn't know what I was doing. She was crying all the time. And, you know, they're like, well, yeah, just keep, you know, supplementing her, you know, because that jaundice, that can get really dangerous. And, like, so I would nurse her and nurse her, like, you know. And then when she was done, we'd pop her off. And anyway, yeah, my milk didn't come in for 10 days. And I was sitting there upset one day and I had a family friend over and she, I said, I just said, I just don't want her to have this formula. I just hate it. It stinks. It's disgusting. I never wanted to formula feed anyway. We can't really afford it. And she was like, then just stop giving it to her. Right. And I don't even know why I was like, I had not even thought of that in my new mom foggy brain. But sure. I was like, you know what? So I had my husband pick up uh, the book, The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding, on his way home, and I read it, and I just got in my bed, topless with my baby, and, I mean, she cried, sure, but I just was like, nope, no more bottles. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Stayed in bed with her for, like, two days, and she just, you know, she had always latched on great, and it was fine, so I just stopped giving the formula, so she nice. didn't have any formula after that, and, yeah, she finally self-weaned at like five and a half years old. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, the one that took, you know, was the hardest start was she didn't want to let go after that, I guess. Sure. You're like still breastfeeding at 12 years. (laughs) Yeah. She probably would if I'd let her know. She wouldn't. Yeah. um, So that, the whole experience, I thought that was just ridiculous. It was like a circus. There has to be like some other way, like in the future, should I ever have another baby? There has to be a different way to do this. You know, I'm going to find that way. So um, at the time, there was like that mothering forum online. So I was kind of fumbling around with that, like trying to find like, I don't even really know what I was looking for. I somehow found this group called Birth Network that did like local meetings. And I went to one and the person who was running the birth network meeting was a home birth midwife. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Like people have their babies at home, like on purpose. Wow. That's crazy. You hadn't really Um, thought much of it before. I, I had not thought of it. Um, I didn't, and I sure as heck didn't know anybody who actually did that. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't, so it was so intriguing to me, but I was like, that is awesome. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, if I ever have another baby, I want to have the, I want to have a home birth. I want to do that. Oh, then I was like, oh man, now I got to convince my husband who's going to be like, oh, no way are we doing that. Was he? Oh yeah. He was absolutely like, that's, that's crazy. We're not doing that. Uh, we weren't even pregnant yet. We weren't even trying to get pregnant. There's four years between my first two. Um, my first was such a hard baby. She mm-hmm. ended up being pretty colicky until she was like six months old that I couldn't, I couldn't even think of it. And then 
I had all that baby weight to lose because I of all that candy I ate. <laughs> so I kind of started on like a little health journey to uh, lose weight. So I wasn't even thinking about getting pregnant, but I was researching my options for when the time came because I knew I just didn't want to have one child. Sure. So when we started talking about it, um, I kind of started dragging him. They had those birth network meetings, they would have movie screenings. And that's back when that uh, business of being born first came out. And so they had like a, at the, our local library, they had a screening of it. So I made my husband come because I was like, you can't just tell me we're not doing something if you haven't even seen the other side of what I'm proposing here. Mm-hmm. So I took, I took him to that. I took him, they did a screening of orgasmic birth. I took him to that. And he kind of came around and he was like, okay, well, you know, when the time comes, I'll meet with midwives, but I'm not, you know, agreeing to it right away, but I want to see what they have to say. So, um, luckily for me, it took longer to get pregnant the second time. So I was able to, you know, really work on him. I think during that time of, you know, we're really, we're trying to have this baby. We're trying to have another baby. It's taking a really long time. It's because, you know, we're disagreeing about what page we need to be on. Totally. And, um, so I think when it finally, when I finally found out I was pregnant with my second baby, he was, I would say like 90%, you know, on board with, we're going to have a home birth. We're going to do this. Um, that I just needed to find midwives. So when I was trying to get pregnant, I had joined this local kind of crunchy mom online forum group um, where I met a woman who had had home birth with her first baby. And she took me out to coffee and we had just the most amazing conversation about her birth. And so I got her midwife's number and then, um, Another local woman who had had both of her babies at home. Her mom was a home birth midwife. So I got her number, and I think I had one other one too. So anyway, I set up interviews when I got pregnant with my second with these home birth midwives. And I met with all of them, and we kind of tossed around between, like, you know, which one we're going to hire. We ended up taking one of them, hired her, and, but, I still kind of had my foot in like the, you know, what if of the other medical world. So I was doing dual care and that made my husband Mm -hmm. more comfortable too. I was doing dual care with my OB and not telling her that I was planning a home birth with a home birth midwife. And so I was, you know, going through the motions with the OB, having a very healthy pregnancy because I had lost almost a hundred pounds before getting pregnant with him. And wasn't eating all that sugar and was much more informed about diet and exercise being <laughs> an issue while you're pregnant and mm-hmm. affecting your health. So I, you know, she kept warning me, you, you know, you'll probably, you might get preeclampsia again. And I was like, I am not getting preeclampsia again. I'm not being induced again. I'm not doing any of that. Nice. Um, finally, I think I was like 37 or 38 weeks. And she started kind of getting antsy. My baby was measuring kind of big. And she was like, you know, I think she was starting to think we were going to just go ahead and be induced. And I just 
kind of, I just told her, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm having this baby at home. Nice. I told us, OB that. Yeah. Well, she just lost it. What'd she do? She she disagreed with me. She told me that my baby, you know, good luck. Hope your baby doesn't die. Um, then she called my dad. I couldn't even believe it. I was a married woman pregnant with my second baby. And she calls my dad, which I probably put his number like on my like emergency contact or something in my paperwork. They didn't like know each other. They just, she just, no, she she called my dad to tell him. I know it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. The the last conversation I had with her, she was like, well, good luck. You know, let me know how it goes type thing. So after I had him at home and I had an awesome, you know, birth announcement put together that said like born at home, I mailed her one. So I'm sure she liked that. (laughs) But so my second, my second baby was, a great home birth, born at home, um, 42 weeks to the day when he was finally born. I spent two weeks, almost like from 39 to 41 weeks trying to figure out how to get him out of my body. Mm. And, you know, like, oh, my grandma says scrub the floor and you'll go into labor. Well, none of that worked. You know, spicy food doesn't, didn't work. Walking around the mall didn't work. And I will say it did a little bit of a mental number on me. I was due with him in January. And when January 31st rolled over to February 1st, I was like, oh man, this is not, <laughs> it's hard. This is not what, what I was even planning. And well, not only that, but my first was born in March. So she has a February birthday. And I just did, I had never wanted to have one February baby, let alone two. So anyway, when I finally gave up at like 41 weeks, I was like, forget it. Stay in there forever, kid. I don't even care. I'm done (laughs) worrying about it. Yeah. Um, Finally, my labor started very, very subtly in the afternoon. Oh, wow. That's a contraction. 10 minutes later, oh, there's another contraction. That's weird. Why is that? Why would anybody think that's weird at 42 weeks pregnant? I don't know. (laughs) You know, you should kind of know it's coming, but. You're like, oh, at that point, you're thinking, I'm never going into labor. But right, exactly. It was, it was a nice, slow, easy progression of, I mean, like, contractions are not easy, but those early ones are. They sure as heck are compared to Pitocin. And, like, I could, I cooked my daughter dinner. I gave her a bath. I took a shower. I nice. had tea. I tried to lay down. Like, I did, I just kept, you know, like, I swept my floor. Um I didn't even call my midwife until probably, I'd say his labor started in the afternoon, probably like one, two in the afternoon. I didn't even call my midwife. Actually, I didn't call her at all. My husband finally called her at like three in the morning or something. Um, Because I, at that point I couldn't even call her anymore. I was like, did you call her yet? But my husband, he uh, went into like cleaning. So he's cleaning the house and going to buy Gatorade and doing all kinds of stuff that I was like, didn't even matter. Um, and shaving and showering himself. Cause we, I actually hired a birth photographer for that birth. So I don't know if he thought he needed to look good or what. I was like, <laughs> take He's like spraying you. cologne. And- <laughs> <laughs> no. That's funny. But the, um, the woman I hired to take my birth pictures was that first woman I met and had coffee with and talked to her about having her 
first baby at home. So it was, it was just, I actually gave her a heads up before I even called my midwife, which was kind of strange, but, um, yeah, just born at home at like just, I think it was just before eight in the morning. My brain's kind of fuzzy at the details now, but, um, I do remember my, my oldest daughter, she was almost four and I heard her on the baby monitor. She had just woken up. She slept all night while I was laboring Hmm. and, uh, I just felt like the labor, like it never, like I kept thinking in my head, like it's got to get that hard. Like I've got to be on the brink of death. Like I was last Mm. time because this baby is not coming out until I get that bad. And when I was thinking that my body starts pushing on its own Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting, I was, I was kind of like, I'm kind of a private birther. So um, I had a birth pool set up in the middle of the room and I had tried getting in it and I, there was a mid, my midwife and her assistant midwife, she had come and my birth photographer and my husband, that's all that was in my house. Mm-hmm. But when I got in that birth pool, I felt like everybody was staring at me. Yeah. Cause they probably were. I couldn't get, they weren't though, because really? the photographer's picture, they show the midwife sleeping on the couch. Nobody was <laughs> looking at me. It was all in my head. So I got, I, I just was in the pool for like five minutes. I was like, yeah, forget that. can't do that. Got out of the pool, went into my tiny little bathroom shut the door and just was by myself. And my husband would kind of peek in. I'd be like, get out of here. Um, My midwife, I think she came in one time, the whole time she was at my house to check heart tones one time and then left. And I didn't see her again until I was sitting on the toilet, kind of rocking. And I had heard, well, I had heard her told me, you know, do you feel pressure? I think your water's going to break. And I was like, you know, I just feel lots of crap going on. Yeah. And I heard, I had heard my daughter wake up and my husband said, you know, Heather burns up. She wants to, uh, she wants to say hi. And I was like, I don't want her to see me like this. And he goes, well, you know, when you get a break and I was like, there's no breaks. (laughs) You realize what I'm doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like at that point, there's no break, bring her in here really quick, get her out of here. Um, so he did. I gave her a kiss in the bathroom. She got out. The next thing I know, my body, I'm like thinking this is, this has got to get like way worse. You know, this is going to be like a two day labor, but then my body starts pushing. Nice. So I'm like, uh, I think I'm pushing in here. And my midwife jumps up, she peeks her head in and she goes, yeah, not on the toilet. Get in your pool. How do you like, feel hey, about, how do you feel about that? Just that like shift being told what to do. Was it like, Oh, thank you. That's such a great suggestion. Or was it like, Disempowered. At the time, I think I was like, yeah, I think it was a good suggestion because I hadn't even thought that I was that close to birthing. I didn't even realize that I was literally like minutes from giving birth at that time. Mm-hmm. So when she was like, you know, your pool's ready. Why don't you get in the pool? I was like, hey, you know, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so I just hopped in the pool and then, of course, I felt like, this baby's way bigger mm. at 42 weeks. And my last one was at 37 weeks. So I was pushed. I was like, Hit, the head's not going to fit. The head's too big. It's not going to fit. And she's like, well, we can see the head. So you're doing it. You're doing fine. So it took me like 20 minutes to push him out. Nice. And, um, he was nine pounds, six ounces. And my first was seven pounds, seven ounces. So about oh. two pounds bigger. Did you have and any? No tearing. That's what I was going to ask. Yep. 
no, no tearing. Nobody told me to push. Nobody mm-hmm. was telling me to hold my breath. I just did what I wanted. And she just kind of did like a hot compress on my, my bottom, which felt amazing. Yeah. It was to the point where I could not exactly, push, which is exactly what you want exactly. to have happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was great. And, and, uh, you know, did a herbal bath and walked up. I, I had them in my basement. Nice. Um, so walked up, walked up the stairs, got in my bed after that. My husband made me uh, French toast, which has become the tradition now because I had French toast after my first in the hospital. So then, oh, that's cute. After my, and, and my husband's not a big cooker. So when they're like, oh, he can make you something to eat, I was like, oh, man. It's gonna be frozen pizza or French toast, <laughs> or like what like, he knows like a, how to make. Yeah, can of soup. <laughs> right. So I was like, well, let's do French toast again. That sounds. And it was morning, so I was like, it's breakfast food. Why not? So, um, oh, I delivered my placenta in my pool before my herbal bath with that baby, mm-hmm. and uh, it took like a little over an hour. I don't remember being a big thing, no pulling on it. It just was like, Oh, there it is. Um, so yeah, when I did that, I was like, Oh man, I am like superwoman. I can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I had a nine and a half pound baby in my basement. I can do whatever I want. Um, so. And I'm sure and your very, husband, it, that was very healing and restorative probably oh, for your yeah. husband too. Yeah. He, Instantly became like biggest home birth <laughs> fan ever. Nice. That's cute. <laughs> it's usually the guys do. Yeah. It's usually the guys do. They're great cheerleaders. Um, oh yeah. He was like, Oh yeah, my wife, you know, she just had a baby in the basement. And, <laughs> yeah, it it was amazing. And it was amazing uh that we had a son. Mm-hmm. You know, he had wanted a son. My husband's an only son. So it's kind of like the big thing, you know, we got to have a boy. And so the whole thing was just great. Um, so then a couple of years later, I was actually shocked when I found I was pregnant with my third baby when, when my second baby was only two. Uh, and we had moved and we were actually built the house we live in. Now we were building, we were living in a tiny little rental house. It was actually only one bedroom. And we already had two kids in there. So I found myself pregnant with another baby. And I was just like, oh, man, this is just, I just had a lot of emotions about mm-hmm. that at the time. But I was like, well, we'll make it work, you know, whatever. It is what it is. And we'll deal with it. So um, I actually didn't have any thought of calling anybody else and than the midwife that had helped me the last time. And we had moved an hour away. So I actually called her and made sure that she would come out to where I had moved out to. And, uh, she said, Oh yeah, sure. You know, I go out there all the time. So I was like, great. So we kind of just did that, the same care with her. And then, um, I don't know why I was still stuck on that dual care. I found a different OB practice and I started seeing them But this time I was like, you know what? I am just, I can't even deal with doing that my whole pregnancy. And now I have two other kids to drag around these appointments with me. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have that mid-pregnancy ultrasound, and then I'm going to be done with them. Mm -hmm. 
so that's what I did. I, I saw them until I was 20 weeks. I had an ultrasound. Um, and I told them I would call them back to make my next appointment. I just never called. And they didn't call me, Yeah, which is kind of weird. You, you'd think that somebody, you know, in your practice who's 20 weeks pregnant, if all of a sudden they just stop coming to their prenatal, no, nope. you think to be like, that's how high, are you doing? <laughs> that's high volume care right there. They don't even notice. <laughs> right. So I, we were hoping to be in our new house, which was not happening. There was no way our, it was everything was building a house is like a huge can of worms that I would never recommend. Um, so I was like, oh man, I guess I'm having this baby in this tiny little rental. You know, we're going to make the most of it. And I was like, um, my son, my, who was two when I got pregnant, I was actually quite worried about how he would do. Um, cause he was actually, uh, we didn't know it when he was two. I just knew something was up with him, but when he was four, he was diagnosed with autism. So when he was two and I was pregnant and, I, and he was nonverbal and he was still, um, he was very developmentally delayed. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? I want my babies, like my first was at my birth with him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want them at, at my birth. Um, but I was worried about how he was going to do if I got vocal sure. or anything like that. So that was kind of on my mind. And then my sister wanted to be at that birth, which um, I wasn't even sure I was going to call her until I, when I actually did make the call, which was. Uh, about an hour before I delivered. <laughs> <laughs> she made it though? So she made it. Uh, I was basically crowning when she walked in. Nice. Yeah. So that worked out. Cause mm-hmm. I, when I told my husband I was in labor, when I finally told him to call her, I told him, I said, tell her, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Uh, you know, just don't say anything. She can come, but not to say anything. So my sister at the time um, had had no, no babies of her own. And when I was planning my first home birth with my second child, she had told me she had this dream that I hemorrhaged to death. Whoa. Yeah, before I delivered, of course. And I, and I was like, I still have to have the guts to now, you know, have this baby at home. And when you're telling me this, right. So she had told me that is she insane. had the dream again. That is insane <laughs> to me. Like, how, how do you not have a filter and sensitivity? I mean, that's insane. Right. Ugh, I'm so sorry. She, no, she she was basically like, you know, I hear my sister and I love you and I'm worried about you. So mm-hmm. this is what I dreamt. I know. I had told her that. I said, what? Never, ever, ever do that. Don't ever put that in any pregnant woman's head. I'm sure she's like nine months pregnant. She's thinking she's being helpful in some weird way. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. So she wanted to be at the, my third birth. So I was like, well, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Anyway, she ended up, she did make it with like a second to spare because at the very last minute I was like, well, okay, call her, but tell her not to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that labor, I woke up in labor in the morning at like 41 and a half weeks pregnant. And I woke up and I was like, oh, yeah, there's a contraction, you know. And I was like, oh, and there's, a, you know, and so I'm kind of tying up, tying them. And I was kind of, I was out on the couch because we only had one bedroom. So my son was still in my bed. And then like the front part of the bedroom, my daughter was in her uh, twin bed. 
So I was laying on the couch and I was just, I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm having contractions. Um, but I was kind of trying to snooze through them. I wasn't really timing them. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go take a shower. And, uh, you know, I was like, call the midwife and tell her, I think I'm in labor, but tell her uh, it's not time to come yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the other part I forgot was um, when I was about 38 weeks pregnant, my midwife took on a client with my same due date. And I had emotions about it because I had this feeling that, that that client and I, the other woman and I, I said, the minute I knew she hired her, I said, we're going to have our baby on the same day. Mm-hmm. And my midwife said, oh, no, don't, you know, that never happens. Don't worry about that. And I said, I just know it. I can feel it. Yeah, never we're say have never. Our baby on the... I said, we're going to... I just knew it. I said, we're going to have our baby on the same day. I just know it. And, and I hired you first. I've been working with you since the beginning of my pregnancy. So you are coming here. And she goes, Oh, you know, don't worry about that. That never happens. That's all she would say about it. So I go into labor, I get in the shower. I said, call her, tell her I'm in labor, but don't tell her, tell her I don't want her here yet. Just tell her I'm in labor. So he does. And then, um, we, we lived in a tiny little house. We have a tiny little hot water heater. So he had come in and he goes, you know, Heather, you're using all the hot water. You need to, you know, if you want a water birth, you should probably get out of the shower. And I was mm-hmm. so mad at him that he had told me to get out of the shower because it felt so good. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I knew he was right. So I said, all right, you know, in my head, I'll get out of the stupid shower. We'll let the hot water tank fill up. And when I got out of the shower, I said, you know what? This is a little bit more intense, and I think you better call that midwife and tell her to go ahead and come out here now. She has an hour drive. So he goes, oh, okay. So I went, and I locked myself in, my, in the bedroom. All the kids were up at this time, so they, were all, they all got up and were watching cartoons in the living room. And I shut my bedroom door, and I just lay down in my bed, and I was just riding those contractions, and I just felt like they were coming faster and I would say this labor felt stronger sooner than my second that felt way more gradual I had way much more time Mm. so when he called her she got out to my house he had come my husband came in and and said that she was there and that they were setting up the pool already and um, I guess what had happened is she had walked in and he was doing dishes and you know, the kids were messing around and he's like, Hey, you know, like he thought we had all this time. And she, she said she could hear me in the bedroom moaning through my contractions. And she was like, uh, are we doing a water birth? Cause if we are, yeah, get to we it. Need the pool set up. Right. Right. And he was like, what already? Like just confused. Like he didn't realize it was going that fast. So like I said, I was, Oh, and then I remember I was, so I was laying in this bed and Occasionally I would get up and move around and, but I could see feet under the door. Like somebody was stopping outside the door, listening to me. And I was like, you know, those, you know, they're spying on me. They're persistent. And I, I knew who it was. It was either the midwife or the, the apprentice midwife listening, mm-hmm. probably timing my, who knows what they were doing. But I was like, you know what? This house is not that big. I could hear them walking back and forth across the floor. I could they're hear like, can I just get some freaking like, privacy? 
I know. And I was in my bedroom by myself in the dark. And, you know, my husband would come in and he'd be like, you're not alone. And he'd try to rub my shoulder. And I was like, <laughs> I am definitely not alone. Get out of here. Like, That's funny. Obviously not alone. I'm with child. Like, you don't need to be in here. Get out of my face. Yeah. So I'm a very private birther. Um, or at least laborer. And as far as when, you know, when the birth comes, I'm like, yeah, I want all my kids to watch. But, um, so the next thing I knew, I was really kind of like, I could feel that baby moving down in my bed. That's not, you know, not set up for a land birth, nothing. And my midwife had come in the room and she said, what do you feel, Heather? And I said, uh, the baby is coming. And she was like, your pool's ready. Why don't you go get in your pool? And so I did. I I was like, okay, let's go. I jumped in the pool. Uh, Next thing, you know, probably within three minutes of jumping in the pool, I had my baby in my arms. (laughs) And uh, it was was good. It was good, except I had, I felt like I had told the midwife that I wanted to catch the baby myself. Mm. Um, But I don't know if she didn't hear me, but she had helped. We had both caught the baby. Um, and the one thing I do remember, like, I I didn't have a birth photographer, but we took a video of that birth. Um, she put a hat on the baby. I, I really didn't want that. That was kind of when in, in our birthing area, hats were just kind of on the way out. Everybody mm-hmm. was still having babies when I had my first home birth. Um, and And it was a new idea when I was kind of starting to have my second home birth of, we don't need to hat these babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of not wanted to, her to have a hat on and, you know, and then I was like, there was a hat on my baby. And I mean, there was still a very good home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good experience. And my, my son did great. I, I had walked out of that bedroom and my son was watching SpongeBob and I could hear it was like, you know, who lives in pineapple under the sea. <laughs> so I get in this pool and the TV's right above me. And I was like, Oh no. I am not giving birth to SpongeBob spare pants. <laughs> Fair enough. And they're all laughing. Right. They're laughing. So they said, oh, you know, we'll turn it off. So they did. They turned it off. And, and he did okay. And, and my sister, who had walked in, yeah, just, as, just in the nick of time, was holding him, I think, while I delivered and roared this baby out. Beautiful. So it was good. That placenta took a little while longer. Um, I, I couldn't get it out in the pool. I wasn't really having a lot of contractions. Uh, midwife gave me some herbs. I went to the toilet. Not a lot was working to get this thing out. Oh, and right after I delivered that baby, they're all laughing because they're like, guess who else is in labor today? Who's yeah, having her baby right now? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, I know it. I knew it. I knew it from the day, you know, you took her on. We were having our baby the same day. So now um, she was sending her her backup to this other client, and her backup was alone. So she's kind of like, you know, we gotta get this placenta out, and you know, I I I hate to say like I kind of felt rushed, but maybe I did, you know, subconsciously like, okay, the, like final, the placenta. Co- the placenta comes out in a bowl. I get an herbal bath. I'm not even in my bed yet. And uh, my midwife is gone. She's gone to this other lady hmm. in labor. Um, and she was like, you know, the 
the assistant can wrap up, right? You know, it, it's fine. And I said, okay. Um, so I did my herbal bath and I think I got into bed and I, I mean, like the minute I got in my bed, that assistant was gone to the next one. Wow. So like there was all, you know, dishes and stuff. And my sister was kind of like, no, oh, you know, they don't help you clean up and, you know, like, yeah. she's like, wow, they're, they're gone really fast, you know? And I was like, well, you know, somebody else was in labor, but I guess I would say maybe that did bother me. Sure. That they rushed off like that. Um, well, and you pay someone, you know, however, a couple thousand dollars to literally be at your birth right. and postpartum and yeah. Right. She did the newborn exam, um, while I was in the herbal bath, she actually asked me if it was okay if she weighed the baby and everything when I wasn't there to watch her do it. And I was like, wow, well, you know, she okay. totally rushed you. Um, yeah. yeah, I was like, well, you know, whatever, just bring me my baby at that point into my herbal bath because I wanted to nurse her. And Well, and that's the thing, and that, that's what's so frustrating is, you know, what are you supposed to say at that point? You know, that that's the most, like, <laughs> irritating right. thing is, is what, you're going to be – I mean, you know, also on a deeper level, we've been socialized to be submissive as women. We've been socialized to be polite, you know, and all of this stuff. And so, you know, she's putting you in a position where you have to be okay with it, even though you're actually not. Right. You know, it'd be super weird. I mean, of course, I don't actually think it would have been because it's like, you know, if we had a different culture to actually say, you know what, I'm feeling really rushed. This actually is not feeling good. I do want to see my baby get weighed. So why don't you just like deal with that and not run a practice that puts me in a position where, you know, you can't give me the full right. qu- the care that we agreed I would get. Right. Right. Oh, it pisses and me I, off. I really, really, <laughs> you're right. Well, and I really like this midwife too. I mean, I, I adored her. And of course. so I felt like, you know, she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't rush me on purpose. Like, you know, obvious. I and, don't know. Right. And you it's can. Hard, it's hard now from coming from a midwife's perspective, mm-hmm. too. It, it, it sucks so bad when you've got two moms in labor at the same time. I mean, how do you choose? It's. Obviously, I mean, the one who calls you first. But. Yes, you choose the one who calls you first, and you—I mean, I would say—you run a practice with enough solid backup support that has also spent time and bonded with all of your clients, so that the other client who's in labor gets a full, consistent team who just wouldn't result of you because you're you're with somebody and you're going to be there for at least right. three hours postpartum because that's what's. <laughs> what's right. And that's what you expect. Right. I mean, there are, this is obviously another conversation, but there are models that midwives could follow if they wanted to, you know, where, where this stuff wouldn't have to happen. And, and I'm feeling particularly right. impassioned about that as I'm hearing your story. Cause I just interviewed another mom the other day who had the exact same story, who had a okay. mid- midwife show up and she was gone before <laughs> the placenta was out. She wow. left and she wow. did then the placenta and postpartum was left to the assistant and you know it's just it pisses me off. <laughs> but like you right. said as a birth right. worker and and you know for you as a midwife and me as a midwifery student and and who loves and works with midwives I do see it from their perspective and it's it's challenging oh, and now I do. Yeah, yeah and 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 you know but putting you in the position as the mother and because you love right. her and respect her and admire her, and because you're a woman and have empathy for her position, you were willing to say, okay, I understand. But it left you right. with this like, uh, feeling. 
It absolutely did. So um, her apprentice, I think she made me a smoothie. I was in bed. She left. My sister's like, oh, man, now there's all these dishes, and, ew, there's a gross blender I have to clean now, you know. Um, so, oh, that, oh, that's the other thing. So then normally my midwife would come back for a one-day postpartum, and then either a three or seven day and then a two week and then a six week. So, mm-hmm. um, the next day I get a text from my midwife that says, um, you know, just the apprentice is going to come. Okay. And I was kind of like, you know, yeah. what can you say? Right. Like you, you kind of just rushed out to go help another woman, which I understand, but now you're not even coming back for my one day. So I was like, well, so I actually, I think I actually texted her back and I was like, so why aren't you coming? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she said she had, her daughter had a, a soccer tournament or something across the state and that she would make it up for me. She would bring me dinner for my three day. And, and again, so, not, not to, not to beat a dead horse here, but <clears throat> if her model included a team of midwives that you had bonded with and that you right. already knew, you know, cause also from, from, I'm thinking from the birth workers perspective, you know, we know how stressful that is that she's trying to right. balance. Oh my gosh, her daughter's, you know, you're going into labor and she knows her daughter's things the next day. And then another woman goes into labor and she's trying to be everything. Right. She's wearing 20 hats right. at once. And that is so stressful to the midwife or doula. And so I totally right. feel for that and have been there and all of that. And, you know, I, I, I do think it is this larger conversation that needs to be had in the birth worker community of, you know, there are other models. We can be creative here. You know, there are ways that this all could have been prevented. And it's a normal and common right. story, unfortunately, you know, that, right. you know, they're stressed out and, and you're feeling gypped and, and all of that could have been avoided if, if she worked with people who you already knew and bonded with and loved and trusted just like her, you know, so that it wouldn't have been right. a big deal, but sending like a stranger who just went to your birth and yeah. It's well, not- she wasn't a stranger. In her, in her defense, I didn't know. I do know her uh, apprentice. She's now her own midwife, also. But um, I didn't know her. She had never done any prenatal care with me. But I didn't know her, and uh, it's not that I didn't trust her, but she was pretty new to attending birth at the time. And um, I don't know. I guess like as the consumer of midwifery services, I felt like. I hired the midwife to do my appointments. Like she did, she couldn't, she could have at least asked me ahead of time. Like if I can't make it, can my assistant fill in? Like none of that was discussed like ahead of time. Right. It's actually, right. It could have been avoided if she, if she had helped you manage your expectations more accurately. Right. If, if she had been right. transparent and, you know, and, you know, transparency is a big issue in midwifery. You know, it, I, I don't find people to be transparent enough. And this is such an awesome example of being like, right. Hey, this is what happens when, when she told you for whatever reason, there was another client with a due date, same as yours. That was a beautiful opportunity to say, let's explore what it can look like if this does happen, you know, and here's what it's going to look like. And let's prepare for that. And why don't you spend some time with this assistant? and did it or whatever, you know, so that it took some of the edge off. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, and in regards to that, uh, this other person, she, uh, that other woman actually did call the midwife first and say, I'm in labor. And then I guess I, my husband called right after her with that first call, the, oh, Heather's in labor, but don't come yet. And then it was when he called the second time and said, Heather said, come now. That was the first come now call she got Mm -hmm. was. So she, I mean, but what if that other lady had said, oh no, I need you here now. Right. Who, I mean, like that could have played out completely differently. Mm -hmm. Stressful. Yeah. um, yeah. So she didn't come to the one day. It was fine. I mean, I, I knew her assistant. I'm friends with her. Um, she's a great midwife. Uh, it was just me like, oh, you know, she, I, you know, like, oh, well, everybody's like, well, she ran out on you and now she's not coming back here one day. And, and she did bring me dinner for my three days. She made a great, she actually taught me how to make it. We call it magical midwife stew. It's like a, a beef barley stew. It's so good. So she made that. I mean, we had a, a good postpartum time and, uh, it was actually after that birth that I kind of thought like, you know, maybe I could help women have home births. Mm-hmm. And I had asked her about it and she was, she was very, she was like, Oh, absolutely. And you living out here now an hour, you know, out in the, in the country versus where I live, it would actually even be helpful for me to have an assistant out here in Sounds this like area, <laughs> in yeah. this area of the say, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, she was like, absolutely. You know, when you're, you know, you can, why don't you, you could come with me to appointments. You can bring the baby. And then when you're ready, let me know. And you can start shadowing me and my other assistant at birth, it would be the three of us, you know, you could, you could observe. And, um, so I was like, okay, great. So, you know, it was, it was a kind of an exciting time mm-hmm. starting to work with her. And I did go and do a, a midwifery assistant training. And when I came back from that, I had my first birth with her. So I had started, um, you know, I would call it apprenticing, this particular midwife, she does, she says she does not take apprentices. She only takes on assistants, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I had started attending births with her and, and doing different things, doing appointments with her. And it was a lot of fun and it was all new and very exciting for me. And, um, the second birth I ever did was my first solo catch <laughs> nice. by myself. So that was super exciting. And uh, I made a great friend. That woman is now a very good friend of mine. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was great. So I had been working with her, um, you know, attending birth with her and my third baby. Um, she was, she had turned two a couple months after her second birthday and I, I'm actually a runner, so I was training for this marathon, um, my third full marathon, and I was like, huh, it's really weird. Like, I don't remember the last time I had a period. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm, I'm doing all this running, you know? Maybe. And I just was kind of like, oh, whatever. And I kind of ignored it for a while, and I ran my marathon. And then I was like, you know, something's up. So I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. Wow. And I was, I was, 
very upset. I was uh, actually preventing pregnancy. I wasn't planning a pregnancy. I was deep into working. I was not only working now with that one midwife, I had started working with a second midwife. Um, and I was really, really just trying to get experience and found myself expecting a baby. Hmm. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, you know, kind of like with my third, like, we don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm having a baby. Um, but this time I was like, I, I don't know why I was just like, I want to do this one different. I, I'm not going to be running to that OB for dual care. I don't need that, you know? Right. And then I was kind of like, is that, you know, like always in the back of my head, I'm like, could I do this just by myself? Do I, you know, do I even need to have a midwife there? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to my husband about it. And he's like, whatever you want, Yeah. you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to do. <laughs> right. At this point, whatever you want to do, uh, I'll support you. So I, the first midwife that I had originally started apprenticing with, who has been my midwife twice, I brought it up one time in her car while we're driving to prenatals. And then she knew I was pregnant. I like sent her a picture of a test, you know, like, oh my God, look at this. Crazy. Um, so she knew I was pregnant, but I was like, I told her, I said, you know, my husband and I were kind of considering to do this unassisted. And like, I could tell she wasn't comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, why would you want to do that? You know, I do all my apprentices births for free. So it's not like it's going to cost you anything. And like, I don't know how to describe it. Like every time I would see her after I first brought it up, she would say something bad about unassisted or she would talk about like, mm. oh, did you see those new, she would see that, did you see those new um, birth statistics, home birth statistics, home birth safety statistics that came out, um, but they include unassisted birth in those statistics and they shouldn't. And I was just like, okay. So obvious, you know, and I had, finally had asked her, I said, you know, you said, she had, she was a mother to, I believe, eight babies of her own. And I said, you had said you had some of yours unassisted. And, you know, she said, well, I, I did because back then I couldn't find a midwife and I hated it. I hated mm. that birth that was on the, so she said that. And then we would go to her client's houses to where I was observing her do prenatal appointments. And the next thing I know, she would be talking to her clients about the danger of unassisted. Wow. And then while she was, while she was talking about it, she would glance at me. So it was, I felt like she was talking to me. Yeah, for sure. Through her client. Right. So then kind of the one day we're in the car and she, she had said like, I was like, well, she was like, maybe she said, you know, are you guys still considering unassisted? And I was like, well, we're, we're, we're considering all of our options. I haven't decided anything yet. It's still early. Got lots of time to think about that. And she said, well, uh, me and her other apprentice, she goes, we'll be there anyway. Um, 
And when she said that, it really bothered me. Yeah, what does that even mean? I still hadn't even invited her. Right. And I still told her I was completely undecided. And I felt like she just invited herself into my space. And mm-hmm. that's my that's my space. Like, you don't come unless I invite you. You're like, what do you mean you're going to be there anyway? You're not yeah. going to be there if I don't call you. You know what I mean? Like, totally. the whole thing. So I was talking to the other midwife that I was now apprenticing with also. Um, because... The first with the first midwife, she was trying to keep me like geographically in my area. It was very slow. So I just really wanted to get more births. So I reached out to this other midwife. She kind of took me on. We hit it off. Great friends with her now. Um, and she was like, you know what? More power to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to have your baby by yourself, wherever you want. She was, she had three babies of her own who were all hospital births. And she had said, if I ever have a fourth, that's how I would do it. She was, I'd bring my baby out, you know, Lion King style and be like, <laughs> you know, is this, you know, so she was just super supportive. Nice. You needed that. And I absolutely needed that. So one day I was on Facebook and, um, gosh, her name is escaping me now. Carla Hartley. Carla Hartley had posted something about unassisted birthers and midwives. And I can't remember what exactly she said, but I had wrote on there, I wrote, thank you. Pushed enter. The next thing I know, my phone was going crazy with text messages from the first midwife telling me that she was taking me off call. Oh, geez. That I was, that her and I had different philosophies well, that is, that is true. <laughs> that um, she didn't even know why I wanted to be a midwife if I didn't want a midwife at my birth. Oh my God, she's so threatened. And, and that, yeah, and that I hurt her feelings, that she saw what I posted on Facebook, which was, oh it was two, two words, it was thank you. Um, but she saw that and that she needed time to think. And from then on, I was off call with her. And I just was how controlling. So uh, and I was so upset. Though. And it's 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 not funny, but it's um, I don't know the right word for it. It's she she only further pushed you towards unassisted. Like all of that energy right. is only validating why you would want to not have a midwife there as, as she is representing midwives. You know, like it's it's so counterproductive. Yeah. And I guess as a larger generalization, it's so counterproductive to judge people. You know, because often we are put, we push them away from the thing we don't want them to do by judging them to do it. Right. Well, her reaction sealed the deal. Exactly. I immediately told my husband, I am doing this by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody there. Just you and the kids, we are doing this. You know, that sealed the deal as far as any decision making at all. I mean, I was just like, and then I felt so upset and kind of saddened because I I had this relationship with this midwife Mm -hmm. and, and it was just over in an instant. I mean, to get over, right. To get dumped over, you know, following your very personal truths is really sad. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, that kind of sealed the deal. And from that point on, I just started kind of planning a, a home birth at, or, or unassisted home birth, 
um, the other midwife I was working with, she did offer a few times. She was like, you know, if you need me, you can call me, but you don't have to. Um, and I was like, of course, you know, it's, and I know I could call any of the midwives I work with. Mm-hmm. They'd be there, in a, you know, if I needed them to, but she never like pressured me. Um, that baby I was due in the middle of July with, and I thought, you know what? I was like, kind of heard about people, you know, having their babies outside and Michigan is kind of cold any other time of the year, except like July and August. Um, maybe we could have this baby outside and we have a great spot. We have a pond right off the back of our house. And so I started talking to my husband about that, but of course that particular summer was kind of on the cool side. So I had some anxiety as my due date got closer about where I was going to actually be. I was like, if it's 50 degrees at night and I go to labor and I'm having this baby at night, I'm not doing it outside in 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. It's cold. Um, So somehow I got it in my head. I was like, you know what? I don't think this baby can't come out until August because it's going to be too cold. (laughs) And I really want to do this outside and I just, I want it to be perfect. And you know, this is going to be my big, you know, unassisted mm-hmm. birth. You know, I got to show that midwife that it's going to be great. And um, so, you know, 40 weeks roll around, 41 weeks roll around, 42 weeks roll around. I'm like, yep, baby ain't coming out yet. Not <laughs> August. <laughs> so the morning of August 1st, I woke up and I was like 42 weeks and like five days pregnant. And my husband, I was like, oh, I feel kind of weird this morning, but I feel okay. I mean, but I feel weird. So my husband, he goes, well, what does that mean? Should I go to work? And he worked like 20 minutes away. I said, yeah, go to work. You know, this could take all day. Who knows? Just go to work. I'll call you later. So, oh, and of course, my um, my other midwife friend uh, left the day before she drove down to Florida for a week. So she was gone. I couldn't call her even if I wanted her to. (laughs) So he goes to work and I'm starting, you know, got this contraction timer thing on my phone. And I'm like, oh, you know, they're like eight minutes apart. And these contractions, they're like eight minutes apart, you know, whatever. Okay. I guess I'm in labor. Um, And I think... I called my husband like an hour later and I said, you know what? I come home at lunch, come home at lunchtime. That'll be a good time. And so he was okay. So, Oh, and my son had since been, you know, diagnosed with autism. And so we have in-home therapy for him and the therapist was scheduled 1230 to 2:30. He goes, well, you know, I gave her a heads up that you're in labor. You're probably gonna have the baby today. She says, just keep her posted. You know, do you still want her to come out? And I said, yes, have her come do his therapy. He's not going to therapy, just come in labor, you know? Mm-hmm. So the therapist comes, my husband comes home. Oh, and, you know, I was like, I want Wendy's. I'm going to go get Wendy's. And my, <laughs> my husband's like, you're not driving anywhere. The nearest Wendy's from here is like 20 minutes one way. So that's 40 minutes round trip. He goes, you are not driving anywhere. I'll go get Wendy's if you really want it, but I don't think you're going to want it by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, go get it. So he went and got Wendy's. The tech who comes to my house who's working with my son doesn't know I'm in labor. 
I keep going back in my room. I'm watching TV and I'm shutting the door. And then I would come out and I'd be like, oh, you know, hey. And then I'd go back in my room, you know, every <laughs> five minutes. And uh, he comes back with the Wendy's. I took one bite out of the hamburger. I was like, yeah, I can't eat that. Yeah. Your husband's <laughs> like a total mid- midwife now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I actually, I got in the shower. And then got out of the shower because the same, oh, he was, you know, the same thing with the hot water. So we were actually planning a, a outdoor water birth. So he's like, I think I got to get this pool set up and I got to get it filled up and stuff. So I'm like, all right. So I'm in my room and the therapist is still here. And I'm in my room and I'm looking, I'm watching him. He's setting stuff up, you know, and, and I'm hard laboring now, like, I put a Chuck's pad down on my carpet and mm-hmm. I was like, this, this spot was, this spot looks great. <laughs> Forget that out. <laughs> I'm not Forget going anywhere. Yeah. Right. I'm Wait, like, hold on. Is the, is the therapist still there? Yeah, oh yeah. She's still, she's still working with my son. That's awesome. You know, does she know in you're his, in labor has, yet? No, no, <laughs> she doesn't. I don't think she does. That is so in funny. my head, she doesn't. Yeah. I don't think she does. So where are your other kids? Um, are they at school? No, they're home. Okay. Yeah, they're home. Um, my oldest was nine. So I had told her, I was like, you know, just keep, keep the two and a half year old away from me, basically. Like mm-hmm. baby I'm having a baby today. Um, and I'll come out, you know, and I'll, I'll peek my head and be like, you know, oh, good job to my son. And then I'll go back to my room. But uh, just keeping myself distracted. I, I remember I was watching like an episode of two and a half men to keep myself distracted. So then I think my husband recognized that like labor was moving much faster than I guess I thought. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like either here or, you know, that pool ain't ready. This, this is great. And he's running with hoses and he's filling up the pool outside. And I was like, whenever the therapist would leave, you have to sign a sheet, like transferring basically my son from like under her care to our care. Okay. So I was, I knew it was getting close to two thirty. I knew that this girl, I was like, she needs to, she needs to leave. Like somebody needs to go sign that sheet <laughs> and it's not going to be me. I'm yelling out the window to him, go sign the sheet. And he's trying to get the pool set up. And he, so he comes in, he goes and signs the sheet. And then I watch him. He's, I just remember watching him. It felt like he was just running around with stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I yelled out the window and I was like, is she gone yet? And he comes and he comes in and he's like, oh, well, she's cleaning up the therapy room. I said, no, you tell her to get out. It's time for her <laughs> this to go. Poor, this poor lady. <laughs> So he goes down to the therapy room and he says, you know, Heather's in labor. She goes, oh, oh, okay, okay, I'll be, you know, you guys got to get going, huh? And John goes, or my husband, he goes, no, we're not going anywhere, but she says the baby's coming, like, now, so you need to leave. Oh, my gosh. I I hope you guys (laughs) laughed about that later together. Oh, for sure, for sure. So So she goes, oh, okay, he goes, don't worry about cleaning up, just she wants you to go. <laughs> so she leaves. And 
I was like, is she gone? Is she finally gone? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, because the baby's coming now. This fat looks great. <laughs> this is going down right here. Forget that. And he goes, Heather, the pool is ready. He's like, for the so love of God. Go- <laughs> <laughs> he goes, why don't you go get in the pool? And I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'll tell you what, we built a, a very big house, and, the, and it's a quite a long walk. I said, I don't think I'm going to make it out to that pool. And he goes, quit being so dramatic and go get in the pool. Oh, my God. Everybody tells you to go get in that damn pool. <laughs> I know. I know. So I muster up everything I could, and I got from my room, through the living room, out my back door, and I started having contraction in the grass. And I thought, I'm either going to fall down and push a baby out in the grass, or I'm going to make it to that pool. So I just kept powering through. I hopped in that pool. Oh, my gosh. Yep. The video camera's on. <laughs> uh, he is, he, my, has, he my, has set your stage. Yeah, he set the stage. Um, my, you know, the baby's coming out. He's asking me, do you need towels? Do you need, and he's saying something about more towels. And I, I was like, calm down. Yeah. The baby is coming out, you know, right now. We don't need, to- whatever. We don't need that. So, oh yeah. And then my third child, my now two and a half year old third child is taking her clothes off. Oh my gosh. Cause she wants to go swimming. Right. You know, in the pool. So, but I had a great birth with I just, I pushed her out and I I had warned him ahead of time, you know, with doing the unassisted. I was like, you know, once the head comes out, start a timer because I don't know how big this baby is. And, you know, we don't have, we don't have all kinds of time once her head's out. And so he like zooms in the video, like zooms in on my crotch (laughs) because he's going to start this timer. Right. And you, you see me, you see my hand loop a cord over her head. Cool. And the whole body just shoots out and I mm-hmm. pull her out. And by the time he got back from starting his timer, the baby, I had pulled her up out of the water and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. And your little, your third, your third little is, is standing next to the pool ready to get in. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And my oldest was there too. My son who was, uh, he was not, he had just got out of that therapy session and he did not want to come outside. So that mm-hmm. was the only birth he, he did not witness <laughs> But he came out right after and, yeah. and it was good, but yeah, it was just, it was great. It was absolutely awesome. And, you know, I caught her myself and there was no hat. And when I, when I said, give me the towel, mm-hmm. there was a towel there and, uh, you know, she didn't get a ball thread. She didn't need that. I just, wiped her face off. She had macular water. I mean, it's almost 43 weeks. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't expecting that. It was my first baby of mine that had macular water in the water. So I guess I wasn't expecting that. So I was like, Oh, give me a towel. I gotta wipe off her face. She's all goopy with this poop, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> then I, I felt after pain like labor with that, with that. And I was like, Oh my God. So I'm like, gotta get this placenta out. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of giving it cord traction myself. And I was like, I just want that thing out of me. And, uh, it still took like over an hour though, before it finally came out. 
But I remember wanting it out even more so because I didn't want to cut her cord. I wanted to burn it. I wanted to take like the pictures, the cool pictures of the baby and Pusana like mm-hmm. laying next to each other, you know, still attached. So I was just like, get this thing out of me. And uh, my husband's like, well, don't just pull it out, you know, and I think he turned his head for a second, and the next thing he knew, I had it in my hand. And I'm like, give me the bowl. You're like a magician. <laughs> like, every time he looks, look over here. <laughs> I'm like, give me the bowl. He goes, did you just pull that thing out? I said, well, kind of. I pushed it out, too, but I took me a bowl. You know, I was in my hand. So. You're like, get off my back, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, from there from there, we had, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get out of this stupid mm-hmm. pool. So from there, we did have a long walk from where we had the baby outside. I went, you know, into the house, used the toilet, got into my bed. Uh, did you get, did you get your, yeah, we did a, we did, did a nice cord burning thing with the kids and, you know, then I got to wave baby and, you know, did all that. And, did you get your waffles? Oh, French toast. Oh, French toast. Sorry. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It was what, you know, and of course, by that time, it's like six o'clock at night. What do you want to eat? I'm like, French toast. Obviously. After every time you have a baby, you want French toast. And I was like, well, that was a tradition. Totally. Now we have to keep doing it. <laughs> You're like, I'll take the French toast in that six hour old Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't even know. I think I threw that away. Ugh. Wendy's well, not a good idea when yeah. you're in active labor, but yeah, yeah. So that I mean, and it was just fabulous, and uh, I was, you know, I was just like, oh, great, another girl, my third girl. Wow. <laughs> but it was it was perfect. She's great. And how, how old like is said, the birth? The, how old is she now? She's two and a half now. Okay, so at the time of her birth, your third was two and a half. Yeah, okay. that's, gotcha, that's the gotcha. big joke around here. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is prime time yeah, for that you. Is, oh, man, nope. I'm like, oh, can't let that happen again. I don't even know how. After being so meticulous uh-huh. and wanting that, like, three to four-year spacing between my first two. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that worked out. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the free birth, the unassisted birth was probably the best birth of of my four. Oh, yeah. I mean I adore my I adore my midwife assisted home birth and uh you know now coming from a midwife's perspective I adore helping women. Mm-hmm. Um but there's I don't know what it is about it. This it was just everything my own way. There was you know, no fear at all in my head while I was in labor about anything at all. There was no poking of me, prodding of me, checking baby, checking heart tones. Uh, but I mean, even my midwife assisted home birth, I, I never had vaginal exams or anything like that. So um, I did try to check myself when I was in labor with my fourth, my unassisted birth, but there was no reaching anything. <laughs> Well, let when me... I was in the shower, I was like, what am I even doing? That's stupid. I'm not doing that. There's no point. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no need unless, unless it's easy for you. Well, we, we have to wrap right. up, but I want to, I want to ask you one final question. Um, sure. that's coming up for me. So now that you've had midwife assisted births and a free birth and you are a midwife, how has that affected your care and your practice as a midwife and how how has that shifted, if at all, the way that you are with women post free birth? 
Um, it has absolutely shifted a lot. Um, I try to be very, very mindful ahead of their birth, asking them, you know, what, what do you see your birth looking like? What do you see your postpartum time looking, looking with? Um, I'm kind of limited as to what I can do when I assist other midwives clients, you know, like I have to do things their way. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's, it's shaping the midwife, I hope, to be in the future. I would say more than it, what I'm doing right now, um, especially with, like, trying to wrap up my certification. And uh, But I would say I'm very aware when things feel off, like – Sometimes there's a lot of talking right after the baby's born. And sometimes mm -hmm. I, I'm like, you know, we don't really need to be chatting. Like I, when I'm assisting other midwives, I can't just flat out say that, but it is in my head. And when I do have clients of my own and the baby's born, and if I can just even step out of the room and not say anything, absolutely. I want to do that because you know, that that's in my head, especially from my third birth, the, the chatting of, oh, guess who else is in labor right uh -huh. now? And, and, then, and then the hat on my baby and like, you're hyper, oh, your senses are still like hyperactive right after you had a baby. And it's just strange the things you remember. Uh -huh. So I try to be aware of that for birthing women. Like, I don't want them to be sitting there thinking of their baby's birth and thinking, oh my goodness, the midwives were just like cackling it up, you know, like talking about this and talking about that. It should be a quiet time, I think. Of course. Or if it's not quiet, it should be the mother talking. Right. And her kids and her husband, and they should be the ones doing the talking. Like, why are the midwives always chatty? And So it's uh, made you I mean, a lot more aware of your own presence. Absolutely. Because it's reminding me Absolutely. of the part of your story. I think it was your second with the kind of being aware that you were being spied on through the door. Oh, yeah. That was my third. Third, yeah. I could yeah. see the feet. Mm-hmm. My second one, I was in the pool. I felt like everybody was staring at me. Even when they weren't, just them being there, I sure. felt like they were staring at me. Well, it keeps making me think of the whole cat in the closet, you know, that cats go into a closet or a drawer you know, they go somewhere very private and very by themselves and, you know, women do too. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, at least I do. Yeah. I, I mean, it's common. Of course. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some women give birth, you know, with a huge audience. I mean, of course at the hospital, but I'm talking about at home, you know, and it's, yeah, some women really like it and can totally do it. But oh, I, yeah. I would say the, for me, the majority of, of births that I've seen, especially if they slow down or she gets into her head, you know, she's got to go have some alone time or some private time with her partner or her midwife or her doula or whatever. Um, sometimes, you know, I've seen just, oh, yeah. just the camera getting pulled out slows labor down, you know. Well, we call them party births. That's mm -hmm, what we call totally. them here. Uh, when they start having, they start inviting their mom and their sister and their cousin and their photographer and then there's a doula and then there's this and there's that. And I'm like, oh man, this is, I mean, we just, you know, in the background, we'll talk amongst ourselves, this is turning into a party birth. And mm -hmm. party birth, we always tell the moms, I'm like, party birth sounds like fun. It's not. It's going to make your labor take probably twice as long. I said, for every extra person you have, just add an hour on your labor. Who wants to be in labor all day with a party birth? Not me. 
You know, I'll take my five hour private labor over a 12 hour public, you know, one anytime. And, um, yeah, I just, I personally, I mean, and I, I'll talk to women too, expecting women that I'm helping and I'm, and I'll tell them, this is how I was. I was super private. If you know, don't be afraid to tell me you don't want me there. I won't be offended. And uh, don't it, be afraid not, to tell me you do want me there. Right. And it's not a performance, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, I mean, we, we need to wrap up, but that, that is like, you know, with the moms, with their in-laws, you see it so commonly that, or, or with their own mother, you know, so many people that are dear to her want to be there. And again, going back to this, like yeah. socialized submissiveness and wanting to make everybody happy and all of this, you know, I mean, how many births have we been at where the mom has at least one person there that she doesn't even want there, you know, but feels obligated right. to have there. And yeah, you know, I, I do, I do see moms who are on their second, third and beyond definitely get clear. Of course, that first mom, the first time mom, it's, you know, what, what they think it's going to be like and what it actually is, is, you know, it just takes experience. It just takes, you know, going through it and seeing that you do kind of want to shut yourself into a bathroom or that you didn't like everybody staring at you like you shared. And yeah, it just takes experience for sure. Well, Heather, yeah. thank you so much for being on today. That was super fun. I love the variety in yeah. your stories and, you know, what a victorious arc to to get to have gone from, you know, an, an induction to wonderful, you know, but but pretty heavily uh, witnessed, you know, births and then yeah. and then to have this awesome free birth at the end. So that's beautiful. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.